Welcome to the Carissa Knows Podcast, where we discuss identity and interrogate our upbringing by looking at the way we were raised. Today, we have three guest speakers who come from different yet similar backgrounds. Brittany Keller is one of our guest speakers, and she is a light-skinned black woman who identifies as African-American, born in Pennsylvania, raised in North Carolina, recently uplifted her roots by moving to Los Angeles six whole years ago, but now resides in Charlotte, North Carolina. Lacey is a black Geechee African-American woman born in Savannah, Georgia. Lacey has lived in both North and South Carolina and currently resides in Charlotte, North Carolina. Marite is a racially ambiguous Latina woman who was born in Peru, immigrated to South Florida in elementary school and now resides in Boston, Massachusetts. Marite identifies with both her Afro-Peruvian heritage along with her mixed Asian and Spaniard Peruvian identity. And then, of course, you have me, a second-generation West Indian woman who identifies as black but, too, has mixed heritage. I was born in Washington State, raised in North Carolina, and have lived between Boston and Miami for the last 10 years. All of us have unique experiences that shape the way we date today. And even though we know black is beautiful in theory, there are so many nuances we have to deal with when dating and being a woman of color. For example, when I was living in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and attending a predominantly white school, there were so many black boys who openly and proudly spoke about their preference for dating white girls. Some men even had a racial hierarchy of preference, ranking white women as top tier, mixed Latina and Asian women next, and then black non-ambiguous women were ranked last. As a teenager, it always felt like all men hated black women. It wasn't until I attended an HBCU that I saw black men, black and white instructors alike, bigging up black women. It was also the first time I heard a black southerner tell me to open your mind and give up the way we traditionally date. He made me rethink dating and consider more options such as dating outside my race, age group, gender, and also made me more open-minded to long distance and even open relationships. So... To honor Women's History Month, I decided to bring in three of my girlfriends who come from different cultural, racial, and ethnic backgrounds and discuss the complications in dating. This is my experience, but I'd love to hear from my girlfriends about their dating experience and if it has been as reckless as mine. All right, guys. So the first question I have for you is like, how did your upbringing shape the way you look at relationships today? And I asked this question because I came from like a very religious Catholic specific background where I was taught that you had to get married before you had sex. Sex was simply only for procreation. Um, Literally, you have sex to have kids and have a family. That's it. So my view of relationships is a little skewed. I also was taught that relationships, well, fidelity mattered the most in relationship versus other things such as finances and compatibility. Um, Now, as I'm in my 30s, I'm rethinking how I think about relationships based on what I was taught as a child. So I guess, Brittany, um, what was your experience? How did your upbringing shape the way you look at relationships today? Uh, one really interesting thing that my mom did growing up, I grew up in a Christian household. Uh, my mom was a single parent since I was a child. Um, but 
one thing my mom always told us was that our house isn't um, fatherless or empty because God lives there. So my whole life, I grew up not feeling like a void was there. So I felt like God could fill voids. There's no void there. There's no like repercussions, like everything's fine. But then as I aged and did a little reading and I did a little bit uh, more discovering and kind of healing myself, I started reading this book called Getting the Love You Want. And it discusses how your childhood impacts your relationships with everyone around you. Um, and it really made me take a deeper dive into, even though my father wasn't there, and God filled that void, there's still some things that need to be addressed. And there were some things that I was doing dating that I didn't realize were kind of self-sabotaging because of growing up in a single parent home. So like I was able to tie together the good my mom was trying to say and do with the reality of the type of men I attract, the um, dating situations I put myself in, a lot of very specific things. And I was able to kind of course correct. I think if I wouldn't have read that book, I would still be like, yeah, you know, God was in my house, you know, I have great mentors that are men. I have like a great brother that like will give me all this advice and cousins and all those things. So I never felt like I was missing a man and like leadership in my house until I read that book and realized that some of the ways that I carry myself in relationships are kind of filling that space. Okay. Marite, what about you? So going off of like kind of like what you were saying you grew up in like a very catholic home and like fidelity was very important um, over other things and for me i grew up my parents have been married they're still they still are married however um my dad wasn't always the best spouse and my mom just kind of put up with it um and so that i thought relationships were more like transactional you know, because it was like, okay, I know where my mom came from. It's like, well, maybe she settled because it was her way out of her house. And same thing with like her mom, she married into whatever family um, just so she can better her situation growing up, you know? So it was very like transactional. And when I started, when I had my only like long uh, relationship. It was like about six years. Um, I started realizing that I was settling too. And I felt like it was because it was in a way transactional, you know, and I was very unhappy and I changed a lot of things about myself. And, you know, when I was able to leave that relationship, I started realizing that I had to, a lot of unlearning to do so I think it definitely uh, has impacted the way I saw relationships growing up, you know, even like for friends sometimes, you know, it was very like transactional. So that's kind of interesting that you say that, because I feel like I wasn't necessarily raised where relationships were transactional. I was raised where relationships were fantasy fairy tales and you have to chase love. And I feel like both of them might be two extremes. But I'm having to learn that love isn't all about this fairy tale, intimate, passionate thing. It has way more to do with like finances, compatibility, and way more. So it's just kind of interesting how we both kind of grew up with two different extremes. Lacey, what about you? What was your experience growing up? So I did grow up Catholic, but I grew up like Catholic, I'm gonna say it like that, because it's a little different. My grandmother got married at a very young age, started having kids like 
popping out when she had you know got married my mom had her first kid at a very young age so she kind of they kind of developed a little quicker but they was always on me about like getting your education you know making sure everything is good oh make sure your finances are straight learn about you love you but my dad wasn't in the household so I was raised by a single parent but he had another family as well and I had my grandparents so my grandparents kind of feel the void of like seeing love and how they care for each other. So I'm seeing like that old school love that we crave to this day. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I want right there. But then I go to my dad's house and I see the love that he shows my stepmom and it's beautiful, but there's always another side to it because they argue, but they are compatible. So I was able to see three different perspectives because my mom was always a very strong woman. And she always, she was the boss, like going to school, got kids, mathematics was her education, like wanted to work on Wall Street, but had children. And so for me personally, I think I always craved that old school love than anything because I seen it with my grandparents, the way my grandpa would just like nurture my grandmother. She have the food waiting when he gets off work. I'm like coming home about to eat with them. It was just something I always, I crave it to this day. And it's like, for me, I still crave that and I know it's probably out there, but it's a little harder because they didn't have social media back then like they have now. So everything is easy access. And it's like, nah, I'm still looking for the old school love. Like, but my religion didn't define me. I'm gonna kind of bounce back a little bit. I do kind of go around. <laughs> my religion didn't define me because growing up Catholic, I learned a lot of things that I didn't care for. Ladies supposed to wear long skirts. They're supposed to not have their hair a certain way. Oh, you're not supposed to wear makeup. Those hoops are too big. Uh, yeah, you just, uh, me wearing eyeliner. Oh no, you can't do that. Like that wasn't a thing. But then I went to a Baptist church and then I hear shaming there is how they call you out. And oh, and this message is for you. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I, I didn't do that. But it was a lot of things that I kind of seen were, Religion kind of played a part in me, like kind of sitting back on it when it came to relationships. But I always look at my grandparents and how they always came together and loved each other for whatever flaws they had. So I kind of got the little fairy tale, little lifestyle in my head too, but it come from the old folks and I can't help it. It's the Southern love. <laughs> I mean, it's nice that you had that model because I don't think I ever had that model. I got it off movies. Um, I never saw real parents or anyone in my family really have that strong old school love that you see in those movies. But I definitely was big on fairy tales and reading books about love stories that are never going to happen. Now, sorry to cut you off, but now the perspective is like really breaking stuff down and understanding the differences that we have. And if we can come together as one to see if we're compatible, because it's not all about kisses and hugs. It's so much beyond that, but that's a little bit of my last feel. <laughs> well, that actually kind of is a good segue into like my next question that I kind of wanted to discuss. Cause um, when I think of what I wanted a partner today, like combat compatibility is my number one priority. And this is simply because, I mean, I've had a lot of, not a lot, but I've had like a couple serious relationships 
and I've learned from trial and error. So when it comes to dating partners, for me, at least, I need to date someone who has a level of consciousness about oppressive systems. I identify as an activist. So I need them to have somewhere deep in their heart wanting to like change the world similarly to how I want to. And then me being a Black West Indian woman who's well-traveled, I think I'm pretty cultured, and I'm an anti-racist activist, like I really need to find a partner that fits my needs. What is your take on just dating in general? and what you want in a partner? Well, dating in general, I feel like now it's pretty interesting. Someone mentioned earlier how everything's accessible, right? I think that that is something I kind of missed from like high school or middle school. Remember we used to like exchange numbers with somebody and that was the only, like you really took your time to get to know them because you never knew if you were gonna go to the mall again for another month. You didn't know like when you were gonna have a chance to really meet someone else that didn't go to your school. So you actually got to know them, their flaws and all. I kind of miss that uh, because in 2022, there's so many options and everyone's so accessible and you could reach anybody. You could reach Barack Obama if you slid in his DMs the right way. He might have a publicist there and Michelle might be watching it too. But the point is so many people are so accessible and I think that that is both good, but it's also a challenge. There's so many different things I think about dating, but I think it's important now because everyone is so accessible to really define what you want and stay in that lane um, and, and not settle. I think it's sometimes easy to settle when things are convenient because everyone's accessible. Now, when you have somebody close or they're giving you a lot of attention, they have a lot of availability, whatever it is, sometimes it's easy to go for those uh, convenient things, but just stay focused on exactly what you want, whatever that may be, um, is what I try to do so, um, and what I actively work on. So Brittany, what is it exactly that you want? Well, let me pull out my list here. <laughs> I definitely want someone who's compatible, uh, someone who's spiritual. They don't necessarily um, have to believe exactly what I believe, but they have to understand that there's a greater force, a greater power uh, for the good to be a good person. They have to be amb ambitious. Uh, they don't necessarily have to be at their goal, but they have to be on their way and showing potential. We're not looking for a potential. Uh, I definitely want someone who has uh, like ambition and working towards it and not just potential. Uh, someone with a sense of humor. I think life is hard sometimes. Sometimes you need somebody to just laugh with and like have a good time with in the midst of craziness. Like even right now, how many things are going on in the world? And then we got to work. We got families. We got like friends we got so many other things we have bills it's it's coming up on the first of the month again soon like <laughs> we have so many like we have so many things on our mind daily it's important to have someone that you could genuinely have a good time with for me um and then someone who also makes time like it's a balance and I feel like it's really interesting because I'm kind of on like a, a scale of sometimes men will have too much time for me. And I feel like that means they're not ambitious enough and they're not working hard enough to you know, get those goals. And then sometimes they're too ambitious and they're bad at managing their time or I'm just not a priority as they chase some of those dreams. Um, but kind of finding the balance of someone who does make the time, but also um, ambitious. It is a challenge. I don't necessarily have like a physical thing. Of course, it's nice to have somebody taller than you, but I don't have a physical thing. I've dated someone shorter than me. I've dated someone in a different state. I've like dated different people because of their character. I actually tell people when I go on dates with them, I'm like, listen, anyone I've gone on more than one date with, if I fill them in a bar, right? 
all the people I've ever gone on two or more dates with, they would have no idea why they're there because they all look different. <laughs> they're, they're different ages, different races, different economic statuses. Like there's so many different people, but they would all probably leave with a friend because their character and their personalities are kind of similar. Um, someone who's healed too, if we can add that healed part or working on their healing, then it's probably my husband somewhere out there. Now, Marite, me and you often talk about like just health and wellness, I feel like. And so like, what is your take? How do you, like, what are your values that you're looking for in a man? And what expectations do you have for a partner, whether they're a man, woman, whatever you'd like to date? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know me, I'm very into like wealth, like, I mean, wealth, yes, wealth, <laughs> but into wellness. <laughs> I'm very into wellness. So, you know, hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, um, I obviously, I'm a very active person. So I need somebody that is very conscious, you know, of their movement, what their nutrition, their spiritual, you know, someone who is definitely understands that you're always going to have to be working on yourself, you know, someone who's into personal development. Um, and that kind of like ties into with like the ambition, you know, because I have big dreams. I'm a big believer of like having setting like crazy expectations and just shooting for the stars, you know, and if it doesn't work, at least you get, you get somewhere, you know? Um, so I want someone who is, who shares that, you know, who is passionate, um, ha has, uh, dreams of their own. Definitely. I'm a big traveler and I'm a venture person. Like I love like hiking or like roller coasters. I love adrenaline, you know, so someone who you don't have to be crazy like me and want to jump off a plane, you know, but at least like, let's go on an adventure. Let's go travel. And like, you know, you can wait for me while I skydive type of thing, you know? Um, I'm definitely a foodie, so we're going to be eating a lot, you know, and trying different foods. Like I personally, like I enjoy recreating food. Like if I find a plate at a restaurant that I really like, like I'll remake it at home. So lots of time in the kitchen, someone that enjoys doing that, you know, someone who enjoys to dance. Cause I'm, I love to dance, you know, I love to have a good time. So just someone who just is going to have a good time anywhere they go, really like make the best out of the situation, you know? So it almost just sounds like you kind of want like a companion, a guy who's there for the ride, who's going to be experiencing life with you. Um, now, do children play a role in this or like what are your long term goals when it comes to traditional families? Do you want a family like your parents had? Because how many um, siblings do you have in your family? So it's three of us. It's me and two brothers. So I definitely see like, you know, my future, I've always seen it as like a traditional, like my parents' house, so, like mom, dad, and I wanted like three, four kids. If I being five, I was like, I want a whole basketball team type of thing, you know? But as I get older, I realize that I, I enjoy a lot of things, like doing things on my own and with like a friend or like a, you said, like a companion, you know? And I don't know if... I want kids at the moment, you know, I'm like, who knows, maybe in my late thirties, I might change my mind if I really meet the one person that I want to, you know, have little minis with, um, that could work. Um, but I'm definitely not pressured. Like, I don't feel like I need to have a family versus before I definitely felt like 
I that was like my worth as a woman it was like to have a traditional marriage uh and like a family and that would mean like I'm a successful woman um but that's not how I see success for myself anymore um so it would be nice to have that in the future but if it doesn't happen like I would love to still have like a companion you know we can get married whatever like whatever you want to be let's just explore enjoy love life and have a good time, you know? I just want to like, what you just said was like super big because I've been thinking the same thing. Like when I was a lot younger, like being a mom, being like a housewife, like there was an image I had in my head of what being a woman was. Uh, but that definitely has shifted similar to what you're saying. And I feel like now it's almost, I'm almost kind of opposite because similar to you too, Lacey, like my mom was married at 18, had all three of her kids by 25. Like, so she's like, Brittany, you're, you're behind. But I think for me, even now, like when I meet people or go on dates, I'll start with like, they're like, what are you looking for? Happiness. No matter what it is, I want to be happy and at peace. So if like you're the one that's cool, if you're not the one that's cool, but I'm looking at what I want as less defined by like a structure and more by how I feel. So when you just said that just now, I was like, that's it. Like, that's exactly where I am right now. Now, Lacey, I know you talk about like your grandparents that down South love. I mean, how does that um, affect the way you think about what you want in a man or a partner right now? So your girl is off the market. Um, <laughs> I went, I actually went for the total opposite of what I used to go for. Uh, I'm wild. Let's just put that out there. Your girl likes to turn up, have fun. That was me. I needed somebody who wasn't like that so I can calm down. I am about to turn 27 in 13 days. So, you know, I'm getting up there. The but, youngest one on here talking about I how she's old. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> but no, I did look for the opposite. So I definitely wanted somebody who was not on the same wave pattern as me. Like we do not need to be turning up like 24 eight. How are we going to accomplish goals? I want a five bedroom house, four bathrooms, big closet, going out every other weekend or every weekend it just was something I did I needed to step away from I've dated older guys guys that were my age guys that were younger but nobody was like straightforward of what they wanted or they saw me as a person like oh you got all this going on so you must have you must be good like no you don't know the layers behind what's going on like I'm paying off debt I'm paying bills by myself I, I got I got bills so Something that when I was dating, I noticed that a lot of guys wasn't like straightforward. And the reason that I chose my boyfriend was because he told me off rip, like, if you come here to play, you got to go. And I'm like, oh, well, that's new. Nobody ever told me that. I'm normally the one saying that. Like, wait a minute, pause. So I was like, okay, this is different. And he's intentional. <laughs> so I guess, what does your partner have then now? in comparison to the men that you're dating before? I know you said he's very straightforward, but like what values did he have that made you even want to be with him right now? And I don't know if you're looking for like 100% long-term, like y'all even talking about marriage or anything, or if you guys are just kind of going with the flow with common goals and hoping it works. So we, he talks about it. We talked about it a lot too, but one of the things I appreciated was that he asked questions before I even got a chance to ask the question. Like I'm normally the one like, also, oh, what you looking for? What's your religion type? Or oh, what do you believe in? How many kids you want? If you want kids, like, 
it was like he was already throwing them at me like oh how did your past define you like how's the how do you see the world and I was just like wait a minute I'm normally the ones asking this question and I'm getting it from you like I gotta sit back and reflect on this because it's something different but it's good that I'm able to talk to you about it and you accept it so I think that's what kind of drew me more into him because I was just like oh you asking me these questions wait a minute it's making me nervous but it's a good thing that it's making me nervous because it pushed me out of my comfort zone well, I guess my next question is then, um, it kind of falls in line, like what, where is he from? <laughs> How did he grow up? Okay. Cause I feel like that's a common thing that I feel like all women want. They want men to kind of take the lead and take initiative of what they want. Honestly, he's from South Carolina. <laughs> oh, you got yourself a Southern boy from the same place you are. Okay. So that's a commonality. Well, he's, I'm from Georgia, but he's from South Carolina, but he lived in Savannah for a while. So he's very familiar with how we are. Um, <laughs> Cause we can uh, act up a little bit. Uh, how he was raised Christian in the church. Mom didn't really, you know, she didn't play that. You going to church, like you, you going to make sure you get your grades good and you going to church. But um, value wise, when we talked about like family dynamic, um, what we wanted, like the structure of a household and how we see it, it all aligned. And that was something that was like new to me because I was like, well, dang, is this so good to be true? Cause it, it just sounds a little too nice. But then my mom was like, don't read too much into it. Just like do it. And I'm like, oh, oh okay, girl, I'm gonna try. And it worked, which is nice, which is nice. So, okay. Um, he's from South Carolina and you're from Georgia. So I have dated some guys from South Carolina and Georgia too. And I feel like for me, at least because I come from, I was, I was born on the West coast, Washington state. My family's from the Caribbean. I have had some challenges connecting with brothers down South brothers, especially when it comes to like discussing race and even fetishizing nixness, oh, we can, we et cetera. Can Oh, we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I wanted to kind of segue into because that has been my personal experience being down south. And even too, um, I guess even like the other weekend, I was out in the Carolinas and I had a brother ask me like, oh, you, you ain't black, you mix. And I'm just like, first of all, why are you saying that? Um, oh, I identify as black. And then also too, I have stories for days where I've lived in South Florida as well. And when I tell people that I'm black, because in South Florida, it's cool to be mixed, exotic, not from America. It's like a fetishization, which is freaking annoying. Like I am proud to be black. I can be black, but I can also be West Indian. I can be black, but I can also be X, Y, Z. But I feel like depending on where you're from and how are you upraised, anti-blackness is so deeply rooted in American society that people like to fetishize light skinness, mixedness, mixedness, et cetera. So, um, I guess, Lacey, I'm going to, since you are from the South, what is your experience with that being um, from South Carolina, living in Georgia? Now you live in the North Carolina. So talk to me a little bit about your experience. Growing up in Savannah, Georgia, um, it was definitely a challenge because I was small. I was skinny. So I didn't have that curvy body that everybody like gravitates towards. I was tall. I was lanky. Yes, I was. I now that I think about it, thank God. <laughs> but I didn't get a lot of attention growing up. The guys would bypass me. They would go to the thicker girls. They love looking at the thicker girls, the girls' light skin. I always look nice. My parents always made sure I looked great. But discrimination was definitely a thing with the guys. I didn't start getting, people didn't start saying they like me until I went off to 
college and in high school, like the end of high school, I've always had a crush on you. No, you didn't. <laughs> you don't have to lie to me. It's okay. I was never your type. I didn't have the big butt. I didn't have the curves. I don't even have no chest now, baby. What are you looking at? So what, what you looking at? I now wear makeup a little bit. So that might make me look a little more, as they say, exotic. But I mean, I, my grandmother's African. So of course I'm going to have some features. But at the same time, the point, they didn't look at me like that. I was bypassed. I was the homie. Marite, what about yours growing up in Miami? Um, I know Miami, once again, you're Latino. When I thrived when I was in Miami because I was I'm West Indian. But at the end of the day, did those questions ever bother you when people are like, oh, where are you from? Like the obs the obsession of not being American, did that ever bother you? Yes, definitely. And um I think at, at, at first it was fine, you know, when I first moved and I when I got it here and I was in fifth grade and I was finishing off the school year. So I got thrown into like an all white classroom. And then I had to wait the next school year where I was able to go into like the ESOL classroom. So in the ESOL classroom is where I met like all of the other like Latin kids, um, some island, ki island kids ha had also recently moved. Um, and that was nice, you know, going from like only Peru, like no Peruvians to seeing like all different like Latin cultures. Um, but then like, as I went into like high school, I realized that all Latins, like they still have like different hierarchies, you know, and you have like the Argentinians, which are like, you know, the more white, blue eye, blonde hair. You also have like the Chileans, you know, and even like Venezuelans. And it's just crazy because in Peru, like my mindset would have been like, oh, it's just like, I mean, don't get me wrong. People still are, you know, classes as fuck over there. And, you know, colorism is real as, over there as well. But just seeing here now, it's like, you're kind of like competing by country now, you know? And it's just weird. I'm like, yo, we're all Latin. Like we all share a lot of the same values and roots, you know? Um, but it's just, it was, it was, it was weird. <laughs> Brittany, what was your experience? And since you moved from, girl, you've been all over, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, California, back to Charlotte, like what was your experience even in different locations? I think in North Carolina, one thing I used to hate, speaking of colorism, like when people would be like, oh, I only date like light-skinned women or I only date because you look this way. Or if I see that I look like their exes, that would be something that like grind my gears because my mom is brown skin so like the way I identify with beauty like all the way up until I would say I'm probably like 20 I was buying darker foundation because I like didn't know the difference between my skin color like I was I like that's just how I identified beauty so when people would say that it would be it's a no like what are you saying about my mom like I'm immediately insulted that's it um, on the West Coast, it wasn't like that. Like, I feel like it's more interracial relationships. Like I even dated white men on the West Coast. Some of them are uh, looking for some fetish uh, type situations. Uh, so it's kind of interesting kind of watching out for that. But overarching, they're a little bit less, I would say like less connected to some of the um, like racial stereotypes and racial situations that happen in the South. So everyone's a little bit more liberal and open, just like there's a lot more people that identify a lot of different ways in Los Angeles. Like, it's just, I feel like the environment is everyone just wants kind of like peace and wants to love and wants to be happy. It's not 
necessarily um, because people look a certain way. Of course, that does happen sometimes, as I mentioned, some people are a little fetishy, but I think just overall, I think everyone just kind of wanted to be happy or wanted just to feel good. But because of the culture also, I felt like a lot of people were chasing a dream and they don't want to really settle down. Like there's not really like a get married and settle down culture. Anyone I know that's been married, except for one person just got engaged, um, has met their partner outside of Los Angeles. And I think that kind of goes to show like city life versus maybe non-city life. Cause I do feel like living in Miami, living in Boston and even having experience um, visiting my father in California, the likelihood of settling down, living like that married life just seems so slim versus when I was living in the South. So I don't know if it's like a cultural thing. I think there's some pros and cons that I can draw from both, but it's, it's interesting. All right, so Marita, you identifying as a Latina woman. Um, I know in Miami, there's a huge Latina population, but in Boston, not so much. So can you kind of explain maybe the difference from dating in Miami versus in Boston? Okay, so I haven't had much experience in the Boston dating scene yet, but I will say that um, the few times that I have been able to go on like the, uh, what is it, Bumble, when I have had Bumble and Tinder, I felt that men would write me and it was all like, by, oh, like your dark hair, your dark, your tan skin. It was like a federalist, what, what is the word? I can't pronounce it. <laughs> it's like my accent, my Spanish accent. I can't say it. <laughs> what is it? Federalization? I can't I, say it. Girl, I'd be messing up that word too. Fetishization. Okay. There we go. <laughs> but you felt that. You felt that. Like, and then also too, did you ever run into stereotypes like where people acted like, especially up here, like, oh my God, you're spicy. You're that, you're that spicy girl. Have all this attitude. Have you experienced that as well? Even being in Boston, which is a very white dominated area. Yeah, I definitely see um the few times where I've had to kind of show like you know my attitude not my attitude but like I've had to express my opinion about something it's taking more as like oh you're giving attitude versus like no like I'm being just firm about my answer and that's it like I don't think I'm being disrespectful I'm just I'm not like oh my god you know um but that's I feel like that's also like back home too well, I have a story to tell when I was in Boston because um, I remember I went out dancing at a Spanish club. I love Spanish music and that's probably influenced by my experience living in Miami. But um, I was dancing with this white guy and he was so obsessed with knowing where the hell I was from. So I was like, you know, I'm West Indian. And his follow-up response was, oh, that's so interesting. Um, and I was like, okay. I was like, well, where are you from? And he's like, well, unlike you, um, your family derives from monkeys. Ha ha ha. My family de derives from penguins. I'm from Alaska. And I literally sat there like, I know this Bama did not just say that. And I didn't even know how to respond. Cause like how, who says that shit, <laughs> but like legit that happened. And so it was just very strange because I just feel like in Boston specifically, everyone wants to be super liberal, but people are super racist. And then you also have a lot of inter interracial dating, which is fine, but it's just interesting because I feel like there's a huge disconnect when it comes to cultural connection. Because if I was in the South, even in Florida, ain't nobody going to say some dumb fuck shit like that. <laughs>
So um, do any of you guys have any like direct stories that you remember that kind of scarred you while dating? So, <laughs> um, I've been told by multiple guys when I used to go out a lot, like you just got those, something about your eye that just captured me. Like that don't sound good to me. I don't like it. It's not even nothing deep like what that guy said, because that right there would have just, I don't know. I mean, Savannah would have, I probably would have hit him. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> but no, I just, I just don't like how people like pick up my features and be like, oh, look at you. You just, you just look like, and like, please, you sound like a dirty perv. But even when it but comes to like featureism, how do you guys feel about when men completely address you for your feature and over fixate on the way you look how does that make you feel or do you guys have any examples that have struck you as like cringeworthy I was thinking about it in the process of it. um I think it goes back to that like when people talk about my complexion like if you say my skin looks good I'll take that because it takes some work to make sure you know no pimples are smooth I do a lot of exfoliating but if you actually talk about my complexion I feel like that's offensive completely like no matter who it is, I think it's offensive. If it's, no matter who it is. Um, sorry, I want to double back on the, um, what was the question you just asked? The situation that just makes you feel uncomfortable. But like my pet peeve is when a man compliments me on how independent I am. And because I'm not independent by choice, like I'm independent for survival. Like there are certain things I like and want and I have to do it. So when a man compliments me on that, I feel like, either A, he's going to take advantage, B, he's not going to be supportive. Or we talked earlier about how sometimes men, like the hotel men that are like, oh, a man should do this, a man should do that. But if you're calling me independent and, and congratulating me and praising me on my independence, what real manly things are you doing for me or to help me to be the alpha man that you're describing? Um, so that's something, it wasn't directly about appearance, but that's something that grinds my gears when I'm dating. That's not a compliment that I'm very offended by. Marite, what about you? What's something that makes you cringe when you're dating? Um, I think just like growing up, I felt like I, whenever I would get a compliment from a man, it was always like, oh, you're so sexy. Like even like I was like a young teenager because I was, I developed at an earlier age. So I was more like curvier than all of my, I went, I went to a, a predominantly white high school. So I look very different than my peers. And I just wanted to be beautiful. I wanted to be pretty, you know, that's the compliments that I wanted, but it was always like, oh, you're so sexy. You're so bad. And I just like that to me, even like now as like, as a grown up, I'm like, no, like whenever somebody tries to hit me with like, oh, you're so bad. It's like, okay. Yeah, I know. Like I have a mirror, you know, what else? Like, give me something else. Like, come on, you know, I need a little, a little something more. You can't just throw that there. Um, but that the whole, like when they tried with the first, like the pickup line, sometimes, you know, just when they focus on your looks and then just like, not even like, oh, you know, beautiful smile or, you know, I don't know, you have nice skin, something other than, oh, you're so fine. You're, you're so bad. You're so sexy. Like, okay, no, gross. It's so cringy to me. I, I agree. Um, it is kind of funny because I haven't really experienced that. Me, like me, similarly to Lacey, I was super skinny no breasts, no ass when I was a kid. I don't know where my ass came from when I got older, but I wanted to be sexy. 
Lord, I wanted to be sexy. Okay. (laughs) So I didn't have that same experience, but I can't even imagine what it would be like if I wasn't developing the same way my peers were. So I get where you're coming from, but it's just interesting in seeing how like me as a little skinny ass child who got picked on for having no breast in the sixth fucking grade, um, just thinks a little bit differently than your experience. But, um, I guess when it comes to like dating preference, um, were you guys ever taught who you should and shouldn't date? And then how has that kind of expanded in your adulthood? Like for me, I do come from a fairly mixed family. Most people in the Caribbean are a little bit mixed up in their heritage. So like interracial dating isn't really like a problem. However, um, I was also raised in the South and socialized by American standards where I did get a little aversive because I grew up in a society where men, black men too, criticize black women, especially in a predominantly white society. I went to a predominantly white high school where a lot of men or a lot of boys at the time would say they don't date black women because black women are ghetto. Black women's hair smells a certain way because we were forced to get it permed because of colonization and trying to get jobs. So um, that kind of made me really stray away from even Southern men who would say that because it was so prominent where I grew up. So I don't know what y'all's experience was growing up as kids, but how have you kind of expanded your, the way you think about dating? There wasn't a really like specific pathway that my mom taught us or like I was taught growing up to date. Like even now, like I said, if anybody I've dated more than one date, if they got in a room together, there would be like so many, I'm not even going to go through a list of describing people, but they all look so different that it wouldn't make sense. Um, But I think it's more of a a character thing and like a personality trait and that compatibility factor. Um, And that's more something that I I look for than like a physical feature. So they can, I might marry a white man. I might marry an Indian man. I might marry a Native American man. Might marry a Latin man. Like whoever knows, whatever man is making me happy and like great as a partner, um, then I'm open to it. So when you've been like dating, cause you, you've dated, sounds like a lot of people from different backgrounds or whatever. Have you ran into any cultural clashes? Like, I mean, maybe them not understanding where you're from. You're from a completely different area, maybe dating men in California, being from the East coast. Um, what are some of the cultural clashes that you've experienced? Um, I, I actually recently had a very interesting experience. Um, I think it's interesting in the South that a lot of uh, non-Black uh, people say the N-word. Um, and I've seen it before when I was growing up, but I was out with a friend of mine and my guy friend came who's Native American and his friend came who was Black. And as the night progressed, my friend was like, hey, I think he said the N-word. I was like, he didn't say the N-word. There's no way. Like this, I've seen this guy a few times. There's no way he said the N-word. And then the night progressed a little further. And he was telling a story to me. And he was like, blah, 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 N-word. And I was like, wait, what'd you say? And he was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, no, no. That last part. He was like, oh, the N-word. I was like, like, what? like I'm looking at him like, are you like crazy? Like, what is going on right now? And then he taps his friend and was like, hey, she's making this face right now because I said the N-word. And the Black guy's like, oh, ha, 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 yeah. Like, it's a normalized thing in the South. And I've seen it more than once, even recently. And 
that kind of like makes me sick. Whereas in the West Coast, I've dated several people outside of my race and not come into the same like casualty of the N-word. Like they would rather not talk about the differences and like just kind of address it as it happens. Or maybe like if there's something on the news, let's talk about it then. Or if there's something that may have happened in our days to address it, let's talk about it then. But it's not a, I'm going to offend you right in your face and repeat it again, because I have the right, I could say that word. Mm, even just now when I said the story, I said N-word. Like, so why did he feel so comfortable to say it so freely? Uh, I haven't talked to that man since, but moving right along. Sorry, guys, had to get that off my chest. <laughs> um, I was that friend. But anyway, <laughs> I was that friend who said that he said the N-word. <laughs> Anyways, um, it's kind of funny that you bring that up too, because when I moved to South Florida, I had a big culture shock when I was around people who said the N-word. And I don't remember anyone in North Carolina ever saying the N-word because I was taught that if a non-Black person said the N-word, they was going to get their ass beat. So when I moved to South Florida, I see all these non-Black people using the N-word. And I literally almost fell out in my seat every single time. I even had a friend who was Caribbean. Um, and Caribbean identity is a little bit unique. But even though she was Caribbean, she would say the N-word left and right. And we had a lot of, we actually had a fallout because she didn't understand why I, a Black woman, could say the N-word and she couldn't as a non-black woman. And that was a big challenge that I had, but um, I think that stuff like that kind of creates a fear when it comes to like dating outside of my race, because I would have a lot of challenges dating someone who would not understand that that's offensive, that I have to explain it to over and over again. I had a, a Chinese guy recently slide in my DM and try to argue with me about why if black people can say it, why can't I say it? Like, dude, yes, I get it. You might be West Indian, but you're still not a black West Indian. So no, you can't say that. And that was just a very big conflict for him to say or to, for him to even comprehend. So when I hear stories like this, or I kind of know the history behind it, it makes it really challenging for me to date outside of my race because I'm not gonna have to freaking explain the fact that you can't say the N word. So that's just one example. Um, what about you guys? Um, Lacey or Marite, do you guys have any experience similar? So when it comes to that word, <laughs> oh my gosh. I think when I moved to South Carolina for grad school, Columbia, South Carolina to be exact, you got the University of South Carolina there. So, you know, it's a lot of white people. Um, I definitely see saw a difference than being in Georgia because I've seen a lot of interracial couples. That was something I was kind of not used to. So it was like my first time going out in South Carolina. Remember that Chris Brown song, What Up, My? Mm-mm. That song came on in the club. And I'm in a predominantly white bar. It's nothing but college students. And I was literally eyeing people just to see if they were going to say it. And when they made eyes at me, I had the death stare because I was waiting like for you to just slip it out. Like, I don't know what it was. It, I think that's something that kind of pushed me away from dating outside my race. I've tried it. I just have not. I don't know. I just, I don't want to have to explain too much to a person. I get it. Yeah, you want to learn and everything, but I feel like somebody who is Black, they kind of understand and I don't have to kind of like 
sit down and give you a book for you to kind of understand everything. Something you should already want to do for yourself. So I just sleep with my black guys. I've tried it. It was cool, but. And I agree with that. But even aside from like, I guess, interracial dating, I feel like cultural dating is challenging for me as well, because I'm always tied with, yes, I feel more connected to my West Indian side. Like West Indians were kind of mixed up. Like I remember growing up as a kid, everyone in my family was so shocked that we range from super, super dark to super, super light all across the board. And I don't know why in America that was such a complex phenomenon because in the Caribbean, that's like every damn family member. So um, I think for me, even kind of explaining my racialized identity, the food I eat, some of the stuff I say, um, the way I was brought up is even challenging when it comes to dating an American because like for breakfast, I'm sorry, I don't like pancakes and waffles. I like freaking high protein food. I like freaking salt fish, ackee. I like, I like green banana, boiled banana, whatever you want to call it. And then I date an American. And the first thing they say with their damn eating rigidities is ill. And I about lose my fucking mind. So um, that's one of the challenges I do have, even with dating within my, um, within different cultures, because I feel like when I'm dating West Indian men, it's just easier. Like, I don't have to explain what I eat. I eat fish with bone in it. <laughs> um, I bring that to an American man. They're going to lose their shit. Ew, I don't eat bone. What is that? A fish head? And I'm like, yeah, dog, it is a fish head. And you're going to eat it if you're going to date me. So, um, Marita, you um, having, and, and and I guess, Lacey, you're, you have an African, um, you said your mother's African or your, okay, you have an African mother. So you probably experienced that as well. And Marita, My grandmother. your grandmother. Okay. And so, Marita, you're from Peru. You probably have different eating habits that maybe not everyone clicks with either. Have you had any experiences like that when dating outside of your culture? So it's funny because I personally, I don't really gravitate towards Peruvian men. I don't, I, I feel like there's, there's a lot of colorism in when it comes to like Peruvians and I don't fuck with that. So, um, I love my culture. I definitely have the different eating habits. We eat lots of seafood. We eat um, fish with bone in it. We eat all, we have like, like over 200 types of potatoes, you know, we'll have like for breakfast, we'll have ceviche, you know, so definitely have different uh, way of eating. So I, all of the men that I have ever dated enjoy or even if they didn't know what Peruvian was before ended up liking it which they just kind of adapted to my lifestyle but I think definitely if there's ever a time where I'm getting to know somebody and food becomes an issue then it's that's like a no that's like a non-negotiable for me because you know I food is such an important part of my culture um that I just if you're gonna be grossed out about my fish with bones like then I'm sorry we can't <laughs> so I'm not too familiar with like Peru but like where would you fall on the color line of I guess beauty in Peru um so I'm more on like the darker side there's definitely like lighter Peruvians so my dad's side of the family they're more Afro Afro-Peruvians um and it's funny that you mentioned like your family in the Caribbean having like different um skin tones you know within that same family and that's literally how we are like I have my mom's side of the family they're Asian descent so I have a lot of like 
white family and then I have like my dad's side of the family and a lot of times I feel like it's either one or the other I can't be both you know and like if I'm like talking with my dad's side of the family I have to put on like that persona you know versus if I'm talking to like my mom's side of the family like they can't relate to things that like my dad's side of the family so it's like you know the conversations we have it's just so different um but yeah I'm definitely I wouldn't be like the most beautiful Peruvian because I'm not like you know rosy cheeks and like like hair um but it's funny because now I come to America and now I'm like oh like oh you're a sexy Latina <laughs> like I just want to be beautiful <laughs> right absolutely so I guess um what was my next question when it comes to like kind of discussing like intimacy um how did you guys kind of grow up learning about intimacy I think it's kind of interesting Lacey I didn't know you were a Catholic first of all which is kind of awesome because I feel like all Catholic households grew up kind of crazy um where like no sex before marriage um sex is only for procreation <laughs> it's written in our Catholic Bible but <laughs> um I guess when it came to like intimacy and now I mean all of us I think are more aware about like mental health communication we're all grown we all are about self-help um how are you guys about like communicating your wants and needs in this patriarchal society that we live in? I guess I can tap into that talking about how I grew up. Oh yeah. No boyfriend before you turn 16. Um, no boys at the house, even when you turn 16. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was very interesting, but I always threw stuff back at my mom, not on purpose, but I'm like, you had a kid at a young age. So if I just pop up with one, I mean, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm good, but I mean, I technically beat the, the clock because I passed everybody and didn't have any children and I still don't have any children. But yeah, growing up like that, it was like no sex. My mom didn't want to talk about it like that. Just don't do it. That's all you need to know. Don't do it. It's not good. It's, it's, it's shameful. But <laughs> now that I'm older and I kind of educate myself about it and everything. I'm just like, okay, it wasn't a bad thing. It's just how you do it. Like, are you being safe when you do it? Are you getting tested when you do it? Are you taking care of yourself? Is that person taking care of themselves? Are they, are they, are they honest with you about what they're doing outside of who they're, you know, outside of you? So I just took the time to kind of educate myself, but my aunt was always like open door policy and talk to me about like whenever, whatever, however, I'm here. Your mom don't want to talk about it. You got me. Here you go. Lay it out. I don't care what it is. So I always have somebody to talk to it about, but yeah, no sex before marriage, but I mean, I'm 27 now. I mean, I'm grown. <laughs> so I guess too, what I kind of want to know too, is like, how communicative are we when it comes to like, even discussing like sex? our sexual needs, like our sexual preference. We all know that like sex kind of varies from person to person. We all have different sexual needs as well. But I know growing up as a kid, um, it wasn't something that we ever discussed. Like sexuality wasn't something that was ever talked about. Even if you had sex, it was just a thing. You didn't talk about it. It wasn't really for pleasure, especially my pleasure at that. It was really to please a man. Um, even growing up in the South, some of my mentors would say, well, Carissa, you got to do X, Y, and Z to keep a man, but why can't the man be doing X, Y, Z to please me? So I don't know if you guys had any experiences like that 
and how that makes you kind of shape relationships now, or if you've overcome some of those barriers I have by becoming super communicative. And I think my upbringing, um, not talking about sex kind of made me a victim of sexual assault in my early stages of having sex. So I don't know what your experiences are and how you learn to communicate your sexual needs with your partner, but um, I'd love it if you guys had any input or insight on that. I think for me, because sex is a really intimate thing for me. Like, I feel like you're really exchanging energy. You're exchanging spirituality. Like there's so much that happens with sex rather than just the action. So for me, I'm like mindful of that. And I'm particular about um, who I take those steps with. So communication is very important before I even get to that point. Um, Just so we're very clear about what yes means and what no means and what other things that I expect that would make me happy and discuss what would make them happy uh, long before we're even in that situation. Um, I think that that also comes with some like maturity and some unlearning because like you said, growing up, like my mom, when I was younger would be like, Brittany, when you're ready, come to me first. Don't go to anyone else. And I'm like, mom, I'm not worried about that. Brittany, talk to me, talk to me. And I would never really want to talk about it with my mom because I'm like, mom, I'm I'm fine. Like I'm studying. I'm not even thinking about that. Um, But as I'm older now, I think it's definitely important that I have those conversations with my potential partners, even before we get in any situation, to be clear. I don't want you to stay here. I don't want you to like feel comfortable to come to my house yet. I don't feel comfortable going to dinner. I don't feel comfortable riding in your car. Like there's a lot of stuff that happens to people going on first dates if we watch the news. So I try to be pretty clear about things um, and set some standards before going into situations um, to try to help. But of course we know that's not all within our control. Uh, but I think by trying to set it up first, I will has best helped me um, like navigate those relationships. So were you always that director? Did it just, I know you said it took a lot of growing up and maturing, but like, think about like your first experiences. Um, were you very communicative or did your mom kind of train you to be communicative with your partner? Even with like my first experience, I was, because even at that point, I'm still like, mom, I don't really need to talk about it. I don't need to worry about it. And I was grown, I was old. But even with that experience, um, I think because my mom planted the seeds of communicating, Uh, I think that I was able to communicate, hey, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. This is okay. This is not okay. This is what we need. This is the situation we need. This is whatever I was able to express it more where even though I wouldn't communicate with my mom about it, if she didn't ever talk about it and it was kind of like a cliche topic, then I would probably feel uncomfortable. Marite, what was your experience? So sex was not talked about in my home at all. It was something that it wasn't bad, but it was just like, if you're doing it, like, don't say it. Um, <laughs> and I don't, I mean, that led me to learn everything myself. You know, I was also like the, uh, like I'm the oldest daughter and I was like the kind of like the trial and error, you know, here, <laughs> cause it was like the first uh, daughter here. Um, and so I relied a lot of like, um, online, Google, friends, um, older friends, friends that I shouldn't be like getting advice from, you know, so like a lot of information that I got about sex and consent wasn't from people who I should be taking advice from. And that really led to like my early 20s, kind of like 
uh, not being firm on my boundaries and saying that like, even though I didn't say no, like it's not a sexual assault, but it's like, no, there clearly is signs. Like, you know what I mean? Like you clearly know you're un I'm uncomfortable and you're pushing it. Like, but I think once I got into like my long-term relationship and I started learning more about myself and like what I like, you know, especially like in bed before I thought like sex and like intimacy was just like pleasing the man. Like I had no idea that like, you know, I have certain parts of my body that made me feel a certain way, you know, I, I thought it was all for him. And so I think being in that relationship really taught me a lot about myself. And now after the relationship that I've actually like grown and learned from it, I'm even more uh, vocal and I express everything that I want and I need. And if you can't meet that, then that's okay. Then it's not for us, you know? And I don't know if that's our Catholic upbringing because we don't talk about sex, which Brittany had privileges because she had a mama who was like, B, come talk to me. I know what's going to happen. We're going to talk about it. We didn't get that luxury. Okay. I don't know if it was the, the curse of being Catholic or what, but um, I, I, I think it's super important to communicate our needs. And once again, like it's not all about men and it's not all about catering to men. And Marite, similar to you, my um, previous relationship too taught me about that. I never dated a guy who really wanted to please me. And then when I talked about my sexual past, he was shook because he was like, you know, that was rape. And I was like, what do you mean that was rape? I was like, no, I was just, I was drunk. I was getting taken advantage of, you know, like saying everything to basically make my, my trauma, my sexual trauma in the past seem less than what it was. And it wasn't until I had a good man who actually knew sexual boundaries, knew how to treat a woman, teach me that my past history was traumatic, which is something that was hard for me to uncover. So that's kind of a similar experience that I had to you, Marite, as well. All right, guys, once again, thank you so much for coming to this show. It's very important to, for me to discuss identity, intersectionality, and how our upbringing plays a role in the way we think as adults. So once again, thank you guys. I love you. I appreciate hearing your input. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. 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 Thank you for having me. As I conclude this episode, there are several complications when it comes to dating. Some of the challenges women, especially women of color, have experienced was choosing not to settle. This was a common theme each guest speaker discussed during the beginning of the episode. Unfortunately, there's a strange idea that women are meant to take what they can get instead of enjoying the alternative which is being single and alone. Luckily for us, over time we realize that compatibility matters, but also things such as spiritual beliefs, wealth, meaning health plus wellness, Marite coined that term, and also finding balance in relationships that allow us to acquire what we want while still finding peace and happiness with our partner. It is also important to dive in and discuss some of the challenges we face in a racialized world when it comes to dating. We've all experienced a potential partner over-sexualizing our body, fetishizing our skin features or where we come from, and using inappropriate jargon that is rooted in anti-black oppression. A book recommendation Brittany Keller suggested at the beginning of the episode is Getting the Love You Want 
But I also encourage you to read books that empower women that are written by women. Book suggestions that can help us understand more about these topics discussed in this episode include The Bluest Eyes by Toni Morrison and So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijoma Ulu. Um, Stay tuned for the next episode and comment, like, share on your social media platforms. I would love to hear your feedback and thank you for listening.